You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Thursday edition of the show. Hour number one officially underway here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. 98.3 in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Trevor, my show producer, is still out sick, so he will be back on Monday. But I am not alone today. Our good buddy Christian Clemente is in the house. Christian, thank you so much for coming in yet again. How you doing, man? I'm doing really good. I'm happy to be here, um, enjoying some of this nice weather again. I mean, we've had a really good streak here recently, and I'm also excited. I mean, we talked about it a little bit going to the uh, Jordan Hare Top Golf tomorrow. So, really, just trying to get through today so I can get to tomorrow. Absolutely. Well, I'm not participating in the Top Golf, but. I've heard quite a few people have signed up. We were actually looking at the the sign-up dates and the tickets before we came here on the air. It looks like the weekend has been sold out. You can still get tickets for today, uh, but it looks like everything else has been sold out. Should be an exciting time. We'll see. I guess the football team was out and doing it. What was that, yesterday? Yeah, I think the football team and some of the staff and whatnot. Not the staff that was out on the out on the high school trail recruiting, but you know some of the off-the-field staff that was still in Auburn got to do it yesterday. Well, that's exciting. I mean, it's a unique thing. And, and I guess it's, it's Top Golf, the company that travels around and does it in different stadiums and stuff. So I think it's a cool idea. So if you're looking to go and do it today, you can. Tickets are still available. Um, but I was looking on the website and it looked like everything was sold out. But Christian, you'll have to let us know how it goes. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Are you going to drive one out of the, out of the stadium? You know, that's the goal. I'm kind of thinking we don't get to use our driver, but I do have a two iron, and I think I could get the two iron out, but we'll just have to see. Hey, I can rip an eight iron every now and then. I can get a hold of it sometimes. It, <laughs> sometimes it's going to roll across the ground, and other times I can hit it like 200. It, you really just never know. You never know where it's going to go. Yeah, that kind of sums up my golf game as well. <laughs> yeah, but that'll be exciting. I hope you have a good time. But we've got a show today, and it should be a good one, of course, with Christian in the house. First of all, I want you to let everybody know where they can find your content um, because it's important that you come in here and you give me your time and I want people to find your content and everything that you do. So let everybody know where they can do that. Yeah, so it's over at auburnsports.com. Uh, our stories are over there and we have you know the message board for subscribers and whatnot to talk about different VIP stuff and then along with on Twitter at cclemente underscore. So you can find kind of all the different stuff over at those two places. Good deal. So make sure you go do that. He's got a lot of great stuff. Uh, When it comes to recruiting, he's it. He's the man for the job. And you know that's what we're going to start today's show with because Auburn basketball has been on the trail quite a bit, Uh, not just recruiting, but in the transfer portal. That's I I consider that recruiting nowadays. That's just just how it is. Recruiting has become the transfer portal too. Uh, Phone lines are open all day today. So Make sure you call in if you have anything on your mind in the sports world. We want to hear from you, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Anything on your mind for me, for Christian, uh, Auburn basketball recruiting, whatever you want to talk about, you can call in. Phone lines are open all day today. But with Auburn basketball recruiting, 
They've hit it pretty hard in the transfer portal. Obviously, the big one uh, a couple of weeks ago, Janai Broom from Moorhead State, he's been in the portal. Auburn has been a pretty heavy, heavy favorite for him. He was on campus last weekend. What can you tell us about how that visit went down? Yeah, so from everything that I've been able to gather, um, it seems like the visit went really well um, with his chemistry with the coaches um, and even the players as well. Um, with Wendell Green, he's familiar with him because Moorhead State and Western uh, – Eastern Kentucky, it was, played each other, mixed up my schools there a little bit, but he's familiar with Wendell, um, and he really liked it down here. Um, you know, you hit on it, Auburn has been kind of the favorite or the front runner there, um, really since Auburn started pursuing, and when he entered the portal, um, he, he would be a pretty pretty perfect Walker Kessler replacement because, I mean, he was third in blocks in the nation last year, so very similar play style defensively. I think his offensive skill set honestly might be a little more advanced than Walker um, in terms of being in the paint. Now, he doesn't really have the outside shooting stroke, um, but Walker also didn't hit a ton of threes last year necessarily either. Um, that's something he's looking to develop. He shot five last year. He didn't make any, but you know he'll shoot more um, when he ends up at Auburn, or if he ends up at Auburn, I should say. So uh, I think Auburn's in a very good spot there after his visit. Well, Auburn's looking for a shooter, but they're not looking for a shooter in Janai Broom. That's not what they're looking for out of the five spot. I know that's what the NBA looks for out of the center position, but let's be honest. Auburn tried it. It just didn't. They told Walker Kessler he was going to be able to do that, and you obviously saw that wasn't really the game plan. So I don't think Auburn's looking for that out of Janai Broom. I 100% agree with you that his offensive capabilities are going to be much better than than what Walker Kessler could do. Not that Walker Kessler was bad, but I've talked about it before how he's a tree and he could just kind of stand at the bucket and you could give it to him and he was a bucket right there around the rim. But like I've talked about with Johan Traore, this guy with Janai Broom, I think he you can give him the ball and he can go get a bucket. Like He can at least create a shot for himself. And so he was on campus last weekend. Of course, Auburn is definitely one of the favorites to land him is there any word on when he is supposed to commit no he hasn't really set a timeline um, he wants to kind of take some of his other visits um, and just feel things out a little bit um, I do think Auburn has advanced itself in an even better spot after yesterday's news with Oscar Shibway announcing he'll come back because Kentucky was one of the main schools uh, contending for Janai Broom he's in Florida this weekend I believe visiting the Gators um that's kind of an interesting scenario because I think Florida wants him to play alongside Colin Castleton, but I don't know how that would really work, and I don't know if that's something he's necessarily all that interested in. So I think Auburn is certainly – I would probably put Auburn at the top of his um, recruitment right now. We don't have an exact timeline, though. It could be after this weekend. You know, He could say, okay, I'm ready. I, I'm not all that interested in Florida, or it could be two three weeks down the line is that the only place he's visiting is florida or is he visiting other schools still i think the plan was to visit kentucky but i don't know he probably well i, I would assume he probably wouldn't at this point i i couldn't imagine him choosing to do that with oscar coming back but i, I don't really know there i'm not 100 percent. i got you yeah when it comes to somebody like him yeah he doesn't come off as somebody that wants to play with somebody exactly like him like that doesn't at the five spot you really it's hard to put two of those same players on the floor at the same time because, I mean, for obvious reasons. And so Oscar Sheboy coming back absolutely, definitely renders that a little bit. But let's be honest, Kentucky's probably more excited about Oscar Sheboy coming back than picking up a guy from the transfer portal as of right now, just because of how good Oscar Sheboy is. With Florida, if they want him to play alongside Castleton, 
Again, I don't see, I, I agree with you. I don't see him going there to play alongside somebody who is probably going to get more minutes than him because of his veteran status on that program. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's a weird situation um, with Florida that they're honestly even really involved in the recruitment. Uh, I mean, I think Auburn, just looking at those three schools, and those have kind of been the leaders up to this point, um, Auburn, I think, certainly provides him the best opportunity. Uh, he would probably slot in immediately as the starting five. Um, him and Dylan Cardwell wouldn't necessarily split minutes. He would get more than Dylan, but it would be a close to even split, I think, maybe. Um, it depends on if they decide to go with, you know, maybe a little Yoan at five or a little Jalen Williams at five, whatnot. But Auburn, I think, certainly presents him with the best opportunity for immediate playing time in kind of a natural spot. I could see – I would definitely see him being the starter. We're talking about Janai Broom, the transfer from Moorhead State, uh, who was on campus last weekend here at Auburn. Still – his commitment is still open, but Auburn's definitely one of the leaders uh, in in his mind. And so he would definitely, I think, would be the starter. I could see Auburn putting Yoan Traore because that was the thought process when he committed was Traore to – possibly be a four or a five before Auburn had a chance to get Janai Broom before he even entered the transfer portal so you could see Traore possibly get some minutes at the five as well uh so breaking news it's it's not breaking it is breaking but Chad Holmgren from Gonzaga has declared for the NBA draft that just came through from Waj a couple of minutes ago obviously we knew he was going to go but he officially declares so he will be going to the NBA um look I'm gonna be honest I think he's gonna struggle I think it'll take decent amount of time for Chet Holmgren to get adjusted to it Um, he's got to put some he's got to put some beef on them bones I mean that's just it I mean he can shoot and yeah he can sort of dribble but I mean he's going to get bullied in the NBA unless he he's going to have to choose if he wants to be a big man or a shooter I think yeah I would definitely agree with that because I think you look at a guy like Jabari Smith who has established himself as wanting to be a shooter could even realistically play like small forward in the NBA um Paolo Bancaro from Duke kind of a little bit of an undersized big man in a sense. He's established himself as that, but Chet is kind of in between, but he's too far in between. Um, so he's definitely going to have to figure something out. Yeah, I, I just don't know which one he's going to go for. I think, I mean, he's got two options. You use your height to your advantage, put on a little muscle, and be a, a try to be a physical big man that can step out and shoot or commit to be a shooting big man. I don't know which one's going to be better for him, for Chet Holmgren, uh, who who uh, has committed or declared, I should say, to go to the NBA draft from Gonzaga. It's not a surprise that he has done it, but he has officially done so. But to continue the conversation about Auburn basketball and their recruiting in the transfer portal, it's crazy that we're talking about it's not recruiting, but you're, I mean, it's literally what it is. You're recruiting guys from the transfer portal, and you see that with, and you see the impact of that with Jay Wright retiring. Right, you see that Jay Wright retires uh, from Villanova today. That was big time news. I was not expecting that at all from a legendary coach. And you see people talking about why he did it, and I think it's just the added stress and the added pressure and the added work that it takes to be a college basketball coach now. I mean, there's a ton between NIL, between transfer portal. There is so much more work um, and so much more balance that these guys have to do with their time, um, and they just—I mean—they don't have enough time at all. So. I mean, you're seeing these kind of a changing of the guard with, you know, Coach K leaving, Roy Williams, Jay Wright, you know, Jim Beheim will probably be not far behind them here in the next year or two. I don't know. He may coach until he falls over on the floor. <laughs> let's just be let's just be honest. I think Jim Beheim will coach until it's like uh, Larinaga from Miami. I think yeah. he's just going to coach until he falls over, too. And respect. I, I absolutely respect it. But where I'm going with that is 
it's a different world out there in college sports, especially college basketball with all of these old-timer legendary coaches retiring. It's just different. And so with the transfer portal, we'll continue that conversation. Obviously, Janai Broom, one of the big transfers Auburn is after. A couple of others that Auburn is after. One will be is on campus right now. Yeah, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, um, the transfer kind of a power forward slash center, probably more of a center um, if you were to come to Auburn because that's kind of what Auburn is in search of right now uh, from Tennessee. Uh, he's definitely kind of an interesting case. Um, he was a very highly rated player, supposed to be in this year's recruiting class, but he reclassified, played early at Tennessee, um, struggled at times, but also had some big games. Struggles are certainly expected when you reclassify. I mean, this fall, he would still like he'll still be 18 once the basketball season starts. That's crazy. Year. So very young guy, um, but he has, I mean, absolutely immense talent. He has some of the highest upside of the guys that Auburn is recruiting through the transfer portal. He probably has the biggest upside compared to Janai Broom wow. um, and Manny Bates from NC State. I mean, his upside is just off the charts. It's just about unlocking it, and I think you've seen Bruce do that with certain players, and he could certainly do that um, if Auburn were to land him. Like you said, um, he's here today, um, leaving tomorrow. He's got some other schools he's visiting as well. I think he's visiting all five of his top schools. But Auburn was a school that was in the mix in his recruitment um, before he ended up reclassifying. So he has some familiarity with the staff and familiarity with Auburn. Um, and he's getting even more familiar right now as he's here. If Auburn were to land him from Tennessee, in your opinion right now, what is the role, do you think? What role would he play on this team? Because is he a shooter is he an, more of athletic put it you know kind of like a Paolo Bancaro put it on the floor and try to get to the free throw line what are we looking at with Hatfield and, and what kind of a role could he play with Auburn in your mind yeah I mean I think he would be the starting center um, but he would be kind of a stretch five um, he's like six nine six ten um, he can shoot outside that's still a part of his game that needs to develop a little bit but he did flash pretty good shooting at times this year with Tennessee um, but he also does like the ball um if he were the starting center, he's not going to be like Janai Broom. He's not going to, you know, take the ball in the post and have some post moves. He's going to drive it inside, um, and he can he can work the post a little bit. But I don't think he would be a super big back to the basket center necessarily. And then there's one more. It's crazy that Auburn. Of course, they only have what two scholarship openings right on the roster. Is that correct? As of right now, yeah. And they're going after four guys in the portal, three at least, maybe four. There, there's three guys in the portal that they're after um, in Janai Broom, Brandon Hunley Hatfield, and Manny Bates from NC State. Um, and then the fourth guy that you're kind of hitting on is Julian Phillips, who decommitted from LSU previously. And so what's the status on the other two that we haven't talked about yet? Yeah, so Julian Phillips is expected to be here on Monday, um, which is huge for Auburn. Auburn was a little, on, a little bit on the outside looking in in his recruitment after he decommitted from LSU. Um, Auburn was certainly in the mix, but some other schools like Tennessee um, and I believe Florida State were kind of up there at the top. But Auburn was able to land a visit, which I think is huge because I wasn't sure if Auburn would be able to get that visit, but they did. Um, and so he'll be here on Monday and Tuesday, and that could be huge. Um, he has a relationship already developed with Yoan Traore, um, so th that could go a long way. This is kind of a 3 and D guy that could play small forward or power forward if Auburn needed him to. Um, really, really good shooter, which is kind of what Auburn is after. Um, so, I mean, he would be a huge pickup if Auburn were to get him. He's, uh, he's a higher rated player 
than Yoan in our rivals rankings. Really? Actually. Okay. Interesting. Um, so he would be a huge pickup. And then Manny Bates um, from NC State. Auburn's still kind of working a visit there. I think he might be in next week. Um, he's a center. Um, he's dealt with some shoulder injuries. Um, last year, he only played one minute. Um, wow. Literally because in the first game, he got hurt in the first minute and then missed the rest of the season Man, with a shoulder sucks. injury. That's horrible. Yeah. Really tough. But he's a, he's a really good shot blocker. Um, but he doesn't have a huge offensive upside. I certainly think he's more of a backup plan to Janai Broom um, personally, but he's a solid option at that. I mean, those are four guys that are all extreme athletes, studs, and would be a instant impact players on this Auburn basketball team if they come in. And, you know, if you're Auburn, I was asking you this before the or before we came on the air, you know, Auburn's got two scholarship spots. They're going after realistically four players that obviously would get scholarships. And I asked you, I said, what happens if three of them decide they want to commit to Auburn? Then Auburn has to pick. Uh oh, sorry. Yes, we recruited you, but we're actually going to go a different way. How does, I mean, how does that, how does that go down? Yeah. So, I mean, the players kind of know it going into it as well. They know who else Auburn is recruiting. Um, these coaches and coaches all around the country are straight up with them saying, Hey, you know, we're, we're recruiting this guy as well. Uh, and, and they'll, they'll say, hey, you're our number one option, or hey, we're kind of waiting to see what happens here as well. So that's kind of the situation. Um, I think Auburn would be happy if they were able to get, you know, that you said they have two spots open. Um, if Auburn gets two of these four guys in some sort of mix, I mean, they're probably only going to get one big man because that's really all they need. But if they're able to get a big man and then a shooter, and if that shooter were to be Julian Phillips, I mean, I think they would be ecstatic. Um, but even if they weren't able to get Phillips, wait for another shooter to pop up in the transfer portal um, and they would still be very happy I think all four are instant impact players I think Auburn like you said would be very very happy to get any combination of these four they need two they got two spots to fill and they're going after some good ones uh, some of the best in the portal and then obviously another guy to commit uh, as a freshman phone lines are open who do you want to see Auburn pull in with these last two scholarship spots we're going to talk about that when we come back 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 we'll take a break you're listening to on the line Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Christian Clemente with you on the Thursday edition of the show. Phone lines are open. We're posing the question with the two remaining scholarship spots for Auburn basketball and the four guys that Auburn's going after. Who do you want to see Auburn fill those spots with? What type of player? And if you have specifics on a name, we want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We've got Christian in the house for the first hour talking about Auburn basketball recruiting uh, as it stands right now. And of course, Two holes left. We just talked about in the first segment the guys that Auburn is going after. And I want to ask you this question, maybe not as a recruiting writer, but just in the eyes of what would be best for Auburn basketball. You can answer it. I'm going to answer it as well. And we want to hear from you, the listener, as well. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. What would be the best fit for Auburn in these last two scholarship spots in your mind as it stands right now, Christian? Yeah, so I think the two guys um, that Auburn 
would be best with. Well, I, man, it is tough. It's they're tough. Going after some great players. I think number one, you have to say Julian Phillips, um, who decommitted from LSU because he's a shooter, um, and you know Auburn desperately needs a shooter, uh, and he's also a great defensive player. Can play the three or the four. Um, you know, if you get him, you can mess around and maybe even experiment with Alan Flanagan at the two, kind of, and switch around with that. So. I think Julian Phillips would be a fantastic pickup um, for shooting, and then you need a big man, so then you kind of have the three to choose from. Um, I think Janai Broom slots in the easiest in terms of um, with Walker Kessler being gone. Similar player, um, very strong defensively, can play strong on the inside, can play the pick-and-roll game, um, could expand his range a little bit um, to come even more dangerous. But also I wouldn't discount Brandon Huntley-Hatfield. Um, I touched on it in the first segment. I mean, I think his upside of the three big men they're going after is the highest. He's an extremely raw, talented player um, that under Bruce Pearl's coaching, I think could really thrive. Um, So I certainly think he would be a fantastic pickup if Auburn got him as well. I'm a little more bullish on Manny Bates, but I do think he would still be a really solid defensive pickup if Auburn were to get him. So if I had to pick two, I'd probably go Phillips and Broom just because Broom slots in easiest, but... Brandon Huntley Hatfield would be a fantastic pickup as well. That's kind of the way that I'm leaning to is with Phillips because of the shooting aspect, because obviously Auburn is looking for a shooter to fill because there's just not a whole lot of shooters on this team, consistent shooters on this team right now. You know, with the guards doing what they do, they can be consistent, but they're, I mean, they're really not, right? And Auburn's looking to find a shooter that they can obviously used to their advantage and I think Phillips would be in that role and then when you talk about the big men I would be happy with either um Janai Broom because of his experience already playing you know and he's he's already so good from what we've seen at Moorhead State I think he would be fantastic or Hatfield from Tennessee because of the upside that you talk about it really just depends on do you want a guy that's experienced and can fit right in or do you want a guy that you can work with and be good down the road it really just that's kind of what you're looking at when it comes to what Auburn wants to do with their two scholarship spots I think you've got to go hard after Phillips to get the shooter you've got to get the shooter because if you don't who's going to shoot the basketball next year yeah exactly I mean Phillips would be a huge pickup but it is going to be extremely tough Um, I mean just getting him on campus I think is a pretty big win Um, and then from here on out, what Auburn will be able to do after getting him on campus will be interesting. Even if they don't land Phillips, they know they have to get a shooter. They know they have to save a scholarship spot to get you know, either a two or a three um, or kind of interchange those two. And um, who would that even be right now? I don't even know who that would be. If they if they miss out on Phillips, who would they go after? I don't even know. It's, it's probably someone that's not in the transfer portal right now. Um, but the portal, I mean, it keeps going on and keeps it's, going on and it's on crazy. and on. So. Look, they're they're evaluating the board every single day. There's new names, new big names in there literally every single day. So I would not panic if they're not able to get Julian Phillips. That's definitely been a recruitment that they've been working really hard to get in, um, and they've done a good job so far, but there's still a long ways to go there. Um, and, and then to your point about Broom and Huntley Hatfield, I think it also depends how Auburn wants to play next year a little bit as well. Um, with Broom, you're getting kind of a traditional center back to the basket, has some post moves, um, can play really strong defense inside. And then you've got uh, Brandon Hunley Hatfield, who's kind of would be sort of a stretch five, can play outside, can play inside as well, but he's not going to be a traditional back to the basket guy. Definitely going to play a little bit more outside and just 
going to be kind of a stretch five. So it kind of depends on how Auburn wants to play there in terms of how they want to get their big man. And that one, when you break it down like that, you know which one sounds more Auburn? Brandon Huntley Hatfield. Yeah. He sounds more of what Auburn likes to do rather than just a square up big man down low because Auburn kind of had that and they didn't really use it with Walker Kessler. They didn't use Walker the ways in all of the ways they should have, I think. Yes, they ran the perfect pick and roll for about two months and then people figured out how to defend it and they shut it down completely. I understand that Walker Kessler didn't have those skills, but when you break it down, it sounds like Brandon Huntley Hatfield is the guy that will fit the system better and he will be long-term as well being so young. But I mean, if you're Auburn, you're not going to complain whoever you get. If you get any of those four guys, you are over the moon because they're so good and could really play anywhere they wanted to in the entire country. And so We're asking you, the listener, of these four players, which ones do you want to see Auburn go after and why? What does Auburn need to do to fill in the holes on this roster to compete next year and get past the second round in the NCAA tournament? We want to hear from you, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. And again, I really do think that when you break it down, Julian Phillips would be fantastic, but... What other? Where else is he getting interest from? Uh, the main schools are Tennessee and Florida State um, that are very interested in him. Interesting. Uh, and Tennessee, to my knowledge, was involved in his recruitment pretty heavily before he committed to LSU. Um, and same with Florida State. So he's got some familiarity there. And he does have familiarity with Auburn as well, um, but not as much. I think Yoan could genuinely play a big impact in that um, in terms of Auburn's chances. Um, and you said they played together or have a relationship of uh, some sort? They have a relationship just because they were both committed to LSU. Um, and so they've right. talked and they've met up before and stuff like that, and they're friends. Um, so I think that could play an impact um, and help Auburn out. It's probably an uphill battle, though. Let's just be honest. Yeah. It's probably an uphill battle with because of Tennessee and Florida State already having that Let's just be honest, a bigger relationship, probably a better relationship. But like you said, getting him on campus, that's huge for Auburn because what does Auburn in any sport, what does Auburn like to do? They like to sell Auburn, not just the program. They like to sell Auburn for what it is. Yeah, just getting him. Look, just getting I really didn't think they would get him on campus. So just getting him on campus was definitely a big win. And now now that you have that, I mean, you could see whatever happens um, from there on out. So I I think that's a big win. We'll have to see kind of how the visit goes early next week, but that's definitely, you know, they're, you said it's an uphill battle. They're climbing the hill. Right climbing now. the hill. I like it. I like it. Auburn's got two spots to fill. They've got some big names on the radar. Hopefully they can snag a couple and try to uh, regroup and revamp and get ready for next season. 30 minutes into hour number one. When we come back, we'll do the next 30 minutes. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Christian Clemente with you on the Thursday edition of the show. Thursday, April 21st, 2022. I hope you're all doing well in the Auburn Opelika area in Birmingham and Sylacauga and everywhere else across the state and across the country, whoever may be listening in. I appreciate you tuning in. Beautiful sunny day yet again here in Auburn, Alabama. Temperature is supposed to rise over the weekend. Uh, So if you're going out to Auburn baseball, wear a t-shirt and shorts. It's supposed to get up above 80. But 
We are not complaining, Christian. The weather, it's not raining, so we are just fine. Oh, gladly take this weather, yeah. <laughs> All day, especially from you. Is it still snowing where you're from, or is it just cold? Uh, it snowed last week. I think it's still like in the 40s and 50s. It's not bad, though. Yeah, it's not terrible, but it's starting to warm up a little bit there. See, I like like 50 degrees and sunny. That's perfect for me. Like, perfect for me. See, I enjoy, this is going to be a really hot take. I enjoy like the 30s because I enjoy like wearing a hoodie and like wearing sweats. But See, I like it cold too like that. But like if I had to pick one perfect temperature, 50 degrees with the sun. It's still a little chilly. You can still wear like a long sleeve sometimes. But if you're out working, you're not, you can break a sweat. Or if you're out running or something, you can break a sweat. But you're not going to like die of heat exhaustion like you do in June and July around here. <laughs> but no, I like the cold too. I like 30s is good for me. Once it hits the teens, I think we've talked about this. Once it hits the teens, I'm out. Like, it's cold at that point. <laughs> nobody nobody can tell me any different. Once it hits the teens, it's it's cold, man. It hurts at that point. Yeah, dude, it's tough. Anything, like, especially below 10, as soon as it gets below 10, it all feels the same. Like, it five, hurts. Five degrees feels about the same as negative 20 to me. And it's just painful. Like, yeah. I, I, I 100% agree. That's what I'm saying. Like, once it hits the teens, it starts hurting. And then, like you said, under 10 degrees, it's like, all right, well, no, if there's no reason to go outside, don't. <laughs> like, unless your food is outside, go after it. But other than that, just stay inside. But beautiful day here in Auburn. And we're continuing on with the first hour of On the Line. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Anything on your mind in the sports world? We talked about Auburn basketball recruiting and where they need to go to fill in their last two scholarship spots. Where do you think they should go? What type of players should they go after? We want to hear your thoughts about that. What's your favorite weather? I guess that's kind of relevant, too. Do you like the hot? Do you like the cold? Anything you want to talk about, uh, if you can relate it to sports, extra bonus points to you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Christian, I'm so glad you're here because I have somebody to talk about the NBA with. And I've talked about it a lot on the show, but... I have somebody else to talk to now about it. And I know you follow the NBA just like I do. And so... Let's jump into it because the playoffs have just been unbelievable. There has not been one single game that I've watched since, like, since it has started that I've been like, well, that was boring. Yeah, I mean, look, I love the NBA, so I'm always going to enjoy it. Um, I'm enjoying it a little less after last night. I'm a Bucks fan, but the playoffs just in general have been brutal. just a ton of fun so far. There's been so many good – I mean, every series has been entertaining so far, really. Yeah, I mean, every it's been entertaining, and – I think it was last week on Friday, I think, my final take was it was right before yeah, it was Friday right before the playoffs started. I said there would not be a sweep the entire NBA postseason. That was before or maybe it was yeah, it was Friday because it was before the Pelicans beat the Clippers to get into the postseason. And I thought the Clippers were gonna get in and I thought, well, you know, they'll beat the Phoenix, but New Orleans ended up beating Phoenix anyway. But the series that looks like it's going to be swept is Philadelphia beating Toronto. They're already up 3 nothing after an unbelievable, stupid shot from Joel Embiid last night. If you Did you watch the end of that game? Uh, I, I saw the videos and stuff. I was watching the Bucks game, so I didn't oh, see yeah, it. But. Yeah. No, it was, dude, it was horrible. End of regulation. The, the game went to overtime. Philadelphia wins by three in overtime with a buzzer beater three from Joel Embiid, who... Yes, he can shoot the three, but that's really not the shot you're looking for if you're Philadelphia. It was the exact same scenario at the end of regulation. He he dribbles it down. He gets double teamed on the left wing at the three-point line. 
it is a step back fadeaway three for Joel Embiid and the, he misses obviously it goes to overtime but then at the end of overtime he did the same thing and he buried it nothing but net and that's how he beats Toronto it's three nothing Philadelphia yeah I mean I thought the Raptors I thought this would be a really closely contested series just because the Raptors I mean Nick Nurse's defense um, has a really really good tendency of excuse me being able to take out the opposing players uh, some of the best players and kind of neutralizing them or at least slowing them down a little bit they've not really slowed down Joel Embiid at all Um, James Harden has been pretty quiet but I mean Joel Embiid is just really dominated I mean the Raptors don't have a ton of big men they kind of play small ball a little bit with Siakam and then you know they do have Kem Birch and they have Precious as well but he has absolutely dominated them I mean it's unfortunate that the MVP voting is all regular season because I do think Joel Embiid I mean, A, I think he probably should have gotten it just to begin with, but the postseason has definitely supported that. Um, now, granted, Nikola Jokic carried a not very good Nuggets team to a pretty solid amount of wins, um, so he definitely deserves credit for that as well, and he's an incredible player. But this postseason and this first series has definitely shown um, that Joel Embiid maybe should have won the MVP, at least in my mind. And he's developed. That's what's the crazy thing is he can actually, and I talked about that, he can actually shoot the three-point shot. It's not like, oh, no, don't shoot the three. But at the end of the game, I don't know if that's the shot you're looking for. Obviously it was because they went right back to it and it worked. I mean, he buried it, absolutely buried it on the road in Toronto. And it's 3 nothing Philadelphia. I would like to, Toronto to win game four because you absolutely have to on your home floor, maybe. But then you look at another series. It's 2-0 Boston now on top of Brooklyn. After Boston last night, they beat Brooklyn 114-107, to right? It's 2-0 Boston. We talked about, or I did before the series started, everybody wanted to pick Brooklyn in this series. And it's not over. I get it. Yeah, I picked Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to call you out. But I picked Boston because... Their defense, it's the best defense in the NBA, and they're showing that right now against Brooklyn. They're up 2 nothing heading to Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, they're giving Kevin Durant fits. Um, both KD and Kyrie shot, um, I think, sub-35% last night. KD has just not been able to get into his groove at all. He's not looked comfortable. Um, I still have nightmares from last year's playoffs from when the Bucks played against the Nets, and, I mean, KD's dropping like 50, just cannot be stopped, hitting ridiculous shots, but... The Celtics just haven't let him get into that groove yet whatsoever. Um, and the Nets, I mean, I picked them to beat Boston, but then lose to the Bucks. A um, little bit of a homer pick there, but also a little bit just because I don't believe in the Nets all that much. They just don't have a lot of chemistry, um, a lot of just jumbled pieces. Um, Andre Drummond is an absolute fraud of a big man. Um, and I don't know, it's just a weird kind of team layout. Now Ben Simmons is supposed to be back for game four. Game four, yeah. Is that really all that helpful after last year's playoffs? No. I mean, especially after all <laughs> no. the time that he's missed now. Like, is he even going to make things better? That's what I'm saying. People are expecting this to be like some crazy comeback. And it's like, do you remember who this guy was before he got hurt? He got traded for a reason. Like, he's not, he's not that good. He's just not. Yeah, and like he's going to be on a minutes restriction, like, I genuinely think he might end up playing more of a negative impact for the Nets in yeah. this, coming back in this series just because they're going to have to try and find a way to work him in. Now, it is interesting. They've been kind of playing Bruce Brown at point guard, and uh, Kyrie has been playing like the shooting guard. Um, so if you do get Ben Simmons back and play him at point guard, um, he's probably a little bit better than Bruce Brown there. But still, I just think it's a weird chemistry thing, weird getting him back. Um, 
I mean, not even getting him back. It's the first time he'll suit up for the Nets and play with these guys in the playoffs while they're down. I mean, the best they could be down at that point is 2-1. Yeah. So it's a very interesting scenario there. I just don't think banking on Ben Simmons coming back is going to save this series. Like, no. that's not that's not how it works. And last night in the fourth quarter, Kyrie Irving was nowhere to be found. He was on the floor, but every time down, the Brooklyn Nets, they gave the ball to Kevin Durant and just said go, and they double-teamed him. And yet, he was taking horrible shots. Like, excuse me, Kyrie Irving was nowhere to be found, not just in the fourth quarter, but really in this ballgame. He had 10 points. Seth Curry outscored him. He had 16. And when you look at Kevin Durant's numbers, yeah, he had 27 points. You know what his shooting was? Four of 17 from the field. One of two from three. All of his points came from the free throw line. He was 18 of 20, so he did do that. But yeah, 4 of 17 from the field. Kevin Durant was and not taking open good shots. It was very contested, fadeaways. You know how it is. And Boston has shown their defensive presence all series long, two games in, and I still think they're going to do the same thing. That's why I picked them to win this series. Now, you do go back to Brooklyn. You, you do play in New York. Will that change anything? Maybe. But I just don't think Brooklyn's good enough. I just don't think the chemistry's there, the the talent on defense is not there. I will say, and they said it during the TV broadcast last night, that Kevin Durant is playing the best defense of his entire life, and he was last night. And that's what I've talked about on this show, how in the playoffs, defense is just taken to another level. And this season, even more so. It's crazy the intensity across all series throughout this playoff so far. Yeah, I mean, KD has been playing some great defense, but he's got to start knocking down some shots. And like, that was my thing before the series, um, and I thought it would happen, so that's why I picked them, is it'll just take some just godlike performances from KD and Kyrie to win games, and you got one of those from Kyrie in game one, and they let it slip away, and they lost that. That's a game they should have won. Um, they know that, I'm sure. And, I mean, th- that, that was one of those performances that they needed, and they didn't take advantage of it, and now you didn't get that from either player in game two. So now you're down 2-0. Um, and you just you're gonna need some ridiculous performances from your star players to win games because the Nets just don't have a ton of chemistry. And I actually did watch the beginning of the Bulls and Bucks game last night, where Chicago started out what nine on a nine zero run to start the ball game in Milwaukee. Yeah. That was crazy. I didn't really watch the rest of the game a whole lot. I tuned back in every now and then, but I watched them go up nine nothing, and then the other game came back on, and it was a one fourteen to one ten Chicago win over Milwaukee you watched the game as a Bucks fan I'm sorry but how'd it go down what happened yeah I mean there were a lot of turnovers the Bucks played very sloppy um they got down by as many as 18 at one point um which was wow brutal um brought it back had a uh I should note in the first half Bobby Portis um the backup kind of center really big energy guy left the game and was not able to return because of an eye abrasion um, oh my gosh so that was a tough blow um to the big men because the Brooklyn Nets are Brooklyn Nets the Milwaukee Bucks are a little thin um there in the front court so Brooke Lopez he had a really good game but he had to play a lot of minutes Brooke Lopez I, I love Brooke Lopez <laughs> do you actually yes wow he's so, okay he's so fun to watch just splashing threes he's so slow he looks so clumsy out there but he's so much fun but he's so dangerous at the same time yeah um and then there in the second half um Chris Middleton hits a four-point play um to cut it down to a four-point game Again, turnover strike. Um, Bulls start to push their lead out a little bit. Um, Middleton actually leaves the game with what is now an MCL sprain, and they're thinking he'll be out like three to four weeks. Which, which you is- told me before or during the break, and I didn't know that because 
We hadn't talked about it yet, but of course, Devin Booker out with the MCL strain. He's out two to three weeks. And then you told me the Middleton news, the news. I didn't know that. And that's a big blow to this team. Yeah, it is. I mean, he's our closer. Um, Like, he's the best shooter on the team, the closer. You know, Giannis is the superstar player that everybody thinks of. But when you need a bucket at the end of the game, if you need a three, you're going to him. Um, And now you don't have that. So that definitely makes things interesting. Even in the Chicago series, I don't think all that highly of the Bulls, but. I mean, they won last night in Milwaukee, and now our second-best player is going to be out for the rest of the series, most likely, um, if the reports are true. So certainly a tough blow. Um, Bucks had their chances last night, but they kind of blew it. Turnovers were the big factor there. And now some other guys are going to have to step up. I mean, Brooks stepped up last night, but he's going to have to continuously step up. Drew Holiday had a really off game last night. You always get a strong defensive game out of him, but offensively he was really off, and he's going to have to step up moving forward and kind of fill that void of Chris Middleton. And now the series shifts to Chicago, so you've got to deal with playing. Is it still the United Center in Chicago? I believe that's still where they play. Uh, I think so, yeah. I think that's where they play. So the series shifts to Chicago. It's tied 1-1. The big news out of the NBA, though, as I mentioned, Devin Booker with a strained right MCL, or was that a hamstring? Hamstring. Hamstring. Okay, so it's a hamstring strain for Devin Booker. He's out two to three weeks for the Phoenix Suns. That's a big blow because... On Tuesday night, they lost the game to the Pelicans after he went out 125 to 114. He's now out for two to three weeks, and that's at least the rest of the series against New Orleans. Probably a couple of games in the next series. If they win, they'll play their next game Friday night, and that goes to New Orleans. That's huge news out of Phoenix. Yeah, it is. I mean, it puts a ton of pressure on Chris Paul, who has been criticized at times for his playoff performances. Um, he had a really good game one. And he's I- old. Yeah, <laughs> not in a bad way. He is. He's just a, he's a veteran guy, but he's older now. Yeah, um, it puts a lot of pressure on him. Puts pressure on like DeAndre Ayton to step up. You you'd like to get a little bit more probably now to Mikael Bridges offensively. Um, I think it's a good opportunity for Cam Johnson. He had times this season where he stepped in the starting lineup and he was really good. Um, so you could certainly see that. I could see him slotting in well there, but he's no Devin Booker. Um, and I mean the Pelicans, their record's bad, but you look at that roster. There's talent there: C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Valanciunas. That's a pretty solid three guys that you have there, and then you have some other role players as well. So, I mean, that series could get interesting now with Devin Booker out. I honestly think. I think it could be extremely interesting. Brooke, or, um, Phoenix is going to have to. They're going to have to buckle down and play because before he got hurt. Obviously, you would pick Phoenix to be the favorite to win the title. They're just so good. With Booker on the floor, he's a he's a walking 30-point bucket in night in, night out. But now with him hurt, yeah, absolutely. Chris Paul's got to take over. Quickly, before we head to the break, the game's going on tonight. Uh, Memphis travels to Minnesota. That series has shifted to Minnesota. It's a 1-1 series. Memphis... As the two seed, look, even coming into this playoffs, I was not extremely confident in this Grizzlies team. I know they had a great record. John Morant is just unbelievable in what he can do on the basketball floor. But you're seeing some of the struggles. It's already 1-1, and you're heading back to Minnesota. Dangerous times if you're Memphis. Yeah, I would certainly agree with that. Um, I picked Memphis to beat the Timberwolves but lose to the Warriors in the next round, um, if I remember correctly. And I mean, it's just a young team that I think has a lot of talent and Maybe next year can make a deeper run, but they have to kind of get their footing under them in the playoffs a little bit. Two more games tonight, the Dallas Mavericks and the Utah Jazz. That series is tied at one, heading to Utah tonight. And then the team that I think is the team to beat now, Golden State, they're up 2-0 on Denver. They travel to Denver for game three tonight. That is at 9 o'clock on TNT. 
watch out for this Warriors team with the injuries going on around the NBA the Warriors are playing their absolute best basketball right now they're the team to beat I'm just going to go ahead and tell you they are the team to beat with the with the the, the trio now of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Jordan Poole. Let's head to our final break of hour number one. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Christian Clemente with you on the Thursday edition of the show. Just a few more minutes before we head to the 3 o'clock break. Christian will be leaving me for hour number two. Boo. (laughs) So I will just be by myself an hour or two. Phone lines are still open, though. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. If you want to talk about anything we have talked about today, if you want to talk about something we have not talked about today, uh, please call in. We want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Christian, we've got you for a couple of more minutes. We picked your brain about Auburn basketball recruiting. And before we get out of here uh, for hour number one and you head on your way for the weekend, anything uh, going on with Auburn football, any recruiting news or anything we need to know uh, heading into the weekend? Yes, they'll they'll have some kids here this weekend for visits. Um, Jeremiah Cobb, who's kind of a top running back target um, out of Montgomery Catholic, will be here. So that's huge. He wasn't able to make A-Day because he had some uh, track team obligations, I believe, but He's very familiar with campus, um, and he'll be back again. So I think that's huge, as will uh, Thompson defensive back Tony Mitchell, um, which is an interesting case because very highly rated player left Auburn out of his top five, but he's been to Auburn a lot before previously, and it sounds like Auburn is working to stay in the mix there. Um, so that's an interesting one. Um, and then you have a defensive lineman out of Jacksonville, Florida, whose name is escaping me, Jordan Hall. Jordan Hall, that's what it is. Um, and he'll be here tomorrow, I believe. Um, so you have a decent list of visitors coming this weekend and then the big thing as that's happening right now um that's being coined um kind of by the staff is the tiger takeover um all of the on the field coaches are um out on the road with the goal of visiting every single high school in the state of alabama how's that going it's going very well so far um and i think you know we talked a little bit last week about correcting mistakes and improving and getting better one of the mistakes from the early um visit period back in january was they didn't end up visiting central Phoenix city until like back at the very, very end of the visit period. Well, that was one of the first stops they had this time. So they're correcting their mistakes. They're learning from them and growing and improving, which is stuff that you really like to see. Um, and then along with visiting Alabama, um, they're working to go to Georgia high schools, Florida high schools and Louisiana high schools. And those are going to be more so for focused a little bit on, you know, where some of our top targets want to go evaluate them. Um, and doing that so I mean that's been very impressive so far it was a really good idea by the staff and some of the behind the scenes guys and it seems to be working really really well well seems like maybe they figured it out a little bit maybe they obviously they realized hey we probably screwed up to start and I think they've you know you've come in here and said multiple times this coaching staff seems to be like a well-oiled machine and it seems like they figured it out as of right now we'll see what the impact is down the road of how this tiger takeover is but I mean, it can't hurt, right? It's got to be in a positive way somehow. Yeah, no, it certainly can't hurt. And I mean, it's just a fantastic idea for future relationships um, um, because they're going to schools with kids they're not even recruiting right now with the goal of just building a relationship there with the school, with the coach, and, you know, kind of showing off the Auburn brand. You never know. You never know where a coach or a player is going to go and end up. 
and relationships. They're everything when it comes to recruiting. Christian, thank you so much. Stick around for hour number two. You're listening to On the Line. On the line, live on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Thursday edition of the show. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway. Want to say thank you to Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. He was in for hour number one. So if you missed any of that, you can search on the line wherever you get your podcast. We talked a lot of Auburn basketball recruiting uh, during about the first 30 minutes. Had some NBA playoff discussions with him as well. And then he gave us a little update on some Auburn football recruits who are going to be on campus this weekend. So great hour number one with Christian Clemente. Again, thank you to him for coming in and giving us his time. If you missed any of the of the first hour, you can search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Phone lines are open for all of hour number two. I will be answering your calls during the break. Of course, my show producer, Trevor, uh, is out sick this week, so I will be answering your calls during the break. You can call in and talk about anything you want to uh, in the sports world. If you want to talk about Auburn basketball, football, uh, baseball, they had a win last night in a series coming up this weekend. Anything on your mind in the sports world, I want to hear from you. Let's have a discussion. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's start hour number two like we always do with making headlines. Making headlines. So making headlines, we've got a few of them here to start off our number two. Jay Wright, the legendary coach from Villanova, he has announced his retirement from college basketball, not going anywhere else. He just says that it's time to hang it up, and he is done in the college basketball world. This is not news that I don't think anybody expected. I don't think anybody expected to see Jay Wright hang it up this at this point in his career at Villanova he's been in he's been in coaching for over 30 years he's been at Villanova for a long time he has two national championships uh obviously most recently you know he has two in just the last couple of years uh, another final four I mean he has so many accolades for himself as a as a coach and he has such a unique brand of basketball that it's not it's not seen a whole lot anymore and He's another legendary coach, an old school style coach to hang it up and say, no, this is it. Of course, Coach K, his his career is done. You saw Roy Williams at North Carolina. He retired at the end of last year. And so it's kind of, it's almost like a trend, right? It's almost like a trend of some of the old school coaches who have hung it up because of the new era of college basketball. And I plan on talking about it a little bit later on in the show, even some more tomorrow as well. But Jay Wright, he has retired from Villanova. And I think the biggest reason is just the stress that the job has put on now. 
and all of the responsibilities it takes to be a Division I big-time college basketball coach. Not only do you have to deal with coaching your current team, not only do you have to deal with recruiting guys out of high school, me and, me and Christian, we hit on it a little bit in hour one. There's two major branches that have been added to a coach. You have to deal with all the NIL things, all of the NIL stuff, and you have to deal with the transfer portal, which is an entire another leg of recruiting. You may as well throw that into recruiting and just double up your recruiting responsibilities because that's what the transfer portal is. And then with the NIL, you have to use that when you recruit high school players and when you recruit transfer portal guys and, and girls, whatever the sport may be. Because the NIL is such a big part of college athletes now that you have to be able to convince them, especially in basketball, you have to convince them that they can benefit enough from the NIL to where they don't have to go to the G League and do other things that they can do to make money before getting to the NBA. And I think that's probably one of the main reasons you saw Jay Wright hang it up. I think it's the same reason you probably saw Roy Williams hang it up. Roy Williams is obviously a little bit older than Jay Wright, but Jay Wright's been coaching basketball for over 30 years. And I just think the game has changed way too much for some of these guys. And that's not talking bad about them. It's not saying that they can't do it. But in Jay Wright's final message, you know, he says he loves Villanova. He'll always be a part of Villanova. But he just wants to spend some time with his family because think about the time it takes to be a coach already. The amount of time you don't get to be at home. The amount of time you don't be, get to be home for birthdays and anniversaries and things like that. That is at least doubled, if not even more, with NIL and Transfer Portal. It has. The responsibilities of a coach now have gone through the roof in college athletics. That's why you see some of these coaches try and go and be NBA coaches because there they can focus on one thing, coaching, because the organizations do all the other work. But I think that's why you're seeing guys like Jay Wright and Roy Williams stepping down and and Coach K, the same thing. That's why they've all stepped away, I think. Yeah, they're getting older. They've done it for a long time, but the game has changed, and they're ready, they're ready to move on with their lives and not have to deal with all of those other things. Let somebody that has grown up coaching the last couple of years in this era take over because probably they're going to be able to do it better than what these old school guys could. So Jay Wright, that's the big news today. It really is. I was not expecting to see it. I don't think anybody else was either. And Jay Wright has retired as one of the best coaches in my day that I've ever seen and his brand of basketball I hope it continues at Villanova I also hope it continues at other schools because it's something special the gritty hard defense but also be able to score at will it's unbelievable Jay Wright has retired from Villanova in college basketball the NBA playoffs of course we touched on it in hour number one with Christian Clemente but they NBA playoffs are rolling on the results from last night with games just about every day. It's exciting that we get to sit here and talk about it. And again, we talked about it some with Christian, but the games from last night, they were fantastic. All three of them. The first one, I think it's the series of the playoffs. I know it's a 2-0 series now, but it's still one of the best series all of the first round. The Boston Celtics take a 2-0 lead over the Brooklyn Nets, 114-107. to They take a 2-0 series lead into Game 3 in Brooklyn. Look, I picked Boston to win this series for a reason. 
I picked Boston to win the series because of their defense, because I don't think Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving can carry this team throughout the entire playoffs just on their offense alone. And you saw that go down last night. Look at Kevin Durant's stats. He has 27 points. And when you see that, you're like, wow, that's pretty good. He shot four of 17 from the field. All of his points were from the free throw line. He had 18 of 20 from the free throw line. That's pretty good. But he had 27 points and he shot four of 17 from the field. That's bad. That's really, really bad. Kyrie Irving, he's supposed to be the secondary option for this team. He had 10 points. In the fourth quarter, when the game was on the line, he was nowhere to be found. He didn't have the ball. He didn't want the ball. He didn't seek the ball. He was just kind of there. He didn't really want to be a part of the offense, and I don't think Brooklyn wanted him to be. It was give the ball to Kevin Durant and everybody else get out of the way. And they did. And Boston double-teamed him, and he took horrible shots, and he couldn't make them. And that's why you see a 4 of 17 result from Kevin Durant. You look at Boston, they, I mean, they are just even all the way down. 22 points, 19 points, 16 points, 15, 12, 17, 10. All of those guys got involved. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard. All of these guys got involved from the Boston Celtics. They score 114 points. You know that in the NBA, teams are scoring over 100. But in the regular season, they score 130 to 140, sometimes 150 on a good night. In the playoffs, it's been a different story. They've barely been breaking over 100. And so that's why you're seeing defense at an all-time high in the playoffs right now. And that's how you get a score of 114 to 107. Boston as a team, they shoot 52% last night against the Brooklyn Nets, 46%. And I mean, turnovers, they had both. They both had 14 turnovers, but it's the defense. It's the defense. Brooklyn is having to take hard, contested long shots where Boston is doing whatever they want to do on the offensive end of the floor. That's why I picked Boston to win this series. They're good enough offensively, but they have the best defense in the NBA for a reason. They are going to win this series against Brooklyn. I think they're one of the best favorites to win the NBA title as it stands right now. I really do. I think Boston's one of the best teams. They have a 2-0 lead over Brooklyn as the series shifts to New York uh, for Game 3 on, uh, believe it's on Saturday. It is. It's on Saturday. We will have that game right here on ESPN 106.7. We will have that game on Saturday night. That is at 6.30. So make sure you tune in for that right here on ESPN 106.7. The other games last night, the 76ers and the Raptors. uh, Game three was in Toronto. It was a 2-0 lead for for Philadelphia. They make it 3-0 on a three-pointer from Joel Embiid in overtime at the or basically at the buzzer it left like 0.9 seconds on the clock or something like that but it was basically a buzzer beater for Joel Embiid horrible shot it was a horrible shot he was contested fading away but he buried it absolutely buried it nothing but net didn't even think about touching the rim and Philadelphia takes a three nothing lead over Toronto 104 to one-on-one in overtime when you look at Philadelphia's roster you think this team is just unbelievable and they are pretty good. They're not unbelievable yet, but they are pretty good. Joel Embiid, James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, who's been playing really well, Tobias Harris, Danny Green. That's your starting five. Those are all big names. Those are all huge names in the NBA right now. And they all played pretty well. 
Toronto, they played pretty well. They have, you know, you have Siakam. They kind of go through him a little bit. He had an off night, 6 of 16 with 12 points. But Toronto, they played one of their best games of the year. Or not, maybe not of the year. They definitely played their best game of the series. And they lost in overtime. They couldn't get it done. They couldn't close it out in regulation. And so Philadelphia now takes a 3-0 lead into Toronto for game four. They're on the verge of a sweep. And my prediction of no sweeps in the NBA playoffs, it rides on Toronto winning game four. I think they will, or at least they have a good chance. Surely, when the, when the series is on the line and your playoff life is on the line, you can figure out how to win a game at home if you're Toronto. Surely, that's, that's what I'm banking on, is Toronto to win game four against Philadelphia to prevent a sweep. Obviously, they'll go back to Philadelphia after that. One more game last night. Of course, we talked about it with Christian. He is a big Bucks fan. So if you're listening in, sorry, buddy. I'm going to talk about it some more. Chicago, they even up the series with the Bucks at one apiece with a 114 to 110 victory over Milwaukee last night. Chris Middleton is out with an injury. He will be out two to three weeks. That is significant news in the East with Milwaukee. Look, they're one of the best teams in the NBA. You've got one of the best players in the NBA with Giannis Atekakumbo, but he can't do it all. He can't do it all. And Chris Middleton is for sure the secondary weapon on this team. And with him not being on the team for the next couple of weeks, where does Milwaukee go? Where do they go with Chris Middleton out? Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday, I think those guys are really going to have to step up and not just scoring, defense and hustle, all of those things are going to have to step up for for, uh, Milwaukee to have a chance because it's now tied at one and this series shifts back to Chicago for two games now in Chicago. So, Milwaukee's sort of in some trouble. I still like them to win the series because they do have the reigning MVP in Giannis. They have a guy who is just an unbelievable talent. I think he can carry this team through this series, but I think they need Chris Middleton to come back for them to really have a chance and make the postseason. Those are the results last night from the NBA. Of course, you've got Uh, Three games tonight, the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. That series tied at one. Dallas and Utah, that series tied at one for game three in Utah. And the Golden State Warriors and the Nuggets. Warriors obviously have a 2-0 lead over Denver. Heading to Denver, Warriors playing some of the best basketball in all of the NBA right now. Moving on with making headlines, Auburn baseball, they win their game last night. The makeup game against Kennesaw State. They're able to... Uh, Win it pretty easily last night, did Auburn. A a great win during the midweek, their second one this week. Of course, they beat Alabama State on Tuesday. They beat Kennesaw State last night uh, over there at Plainsman Park. They beat Alabama State 6-5 in a walk-off on Tuesday. They beat Kennesaw State 14-1 last night in the makeup game due to weather a while back. So two pretty good games for Auburn to get back in the groove a little bit as they welcome South Carolina into Plainsman Park this weekend. Uh, We had a South Carolina beat writer on Tuesday. We're going to have another one on tomorrow to give us a little bit more information about this South Carolina baseball team. South Carolina, they come in as the worst offensive team in the SEC. And Auburn, of course, the struggles this year have been on the pitching staff. And so I think this is a fantastic opportunity for Auburn to get their pitching rotation some confidence, the bullpen some confidence, and really try to take advantage of a South Carolina team that just doesn't hit the ball very well. 
They don't get on base a whole lot. They don't hit the ball very well. They don't take advantage of runners in scoring position. They leave runners on base. And so if you're Auburn, you've got to take advantage of that, especially this weekend because your next two SEC series, oh, yeah, it's the number one team in the country, Tennessee, and then another top five team in the Arkansas Razorbacks. So you've got to get your wins where you can if you're Auburn baseball. You've got to be thinking a series win, possibly a sweep if you're Auburn. I said that last weekend against Mississippi State. That backfired. Of course, they had to scramble on Sunday to win just one game and not get swept themselves. But Auburn gets two wins during the midweek. Yeah, they had to work for it on Tuesday a little bit, more than what they would have wanted to. But they still win. They win 6-5 to five against Alabama State. And then they win last night against Kennesaw State, 14-1. to A great tune-up game as South Carolina comes to Plainsman Park this weekend. Uh, on our ESPN 106.7 social medias on Twitter and Facebook, we are giving away two tickets to Auburn baseball's game on Sunday, the season finale, or the series finale, excuse me, the series finale against South Carolina. We are giving away two tickets on our social media page. All you have to do on Facebook, you share, share the post, make sure you're following us. If it's on Twitter, just retweet it and make sure you're following the ESPN 106.7 accounts. One winner will be chosen tomorrow. You'll get two tickets to the Auburn baseball series finale against South Carolina. One more making headline before we head to the break. Ben Simmons reportedly will be back for game four for Brooklyn against Boston on what day would that be on? I guess the next game is, I said it earlier, I can't remember now. The next game for Brooklyn is obviously game three. Ben Simmons is supposed to come back in game four. So game three is on Saturday. And game four is on Monday for Brooklyn and Boston. Ben Simmons reportedly healthy enough. He's ready to come back. Luka Doncic is also supposed to come back. He's a game-time decision tonight in Dallas. He has not played the first two games. So there's some big players trying to come back into the postseason. Of course, a couple have been lost due to injury, Devin Booker and Chris Middleton. But Luka Doncic coming back is definitely bigger news than Ben Simmons just because – Luka Doncic is everything for the Dallas Mavericks, and Ben Simmons is playing for the first time this year with the Brooklyn Nets. So how big of an impact is he really going to be? I don't really know. I don't think it's going to be that big. Luka Doncic coming back for Dallas? Watch out, because he can carry this team through a series or two in the NBA playoffs. That's it for making headlines. Let's take a break. We'll come back and uh, have a few more minutes before the bottom of the hour break. You're listening to the Thursday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Thursday edition of the show. About eight minutes or so before we head to the bottom of the hour break. Here in hour number two of the Thursday edition of On the Line. Phone lines are open 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Anything you want to talk about. In the sports world, we can talk about if you have a question, comment, concern, anything on your mind, give me a call, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. And I started the hour with making headlines about Jay Wright retiring from Villanova. And look, he's not the only big-time coach, right? He's not the only big-time coach that's retired, You've had Roy Williams a couple years ago. You had Coach K this year. I would think that 
you know, coaches like Buddy Beheim and Jim Laranega from Miami, maybe even Tom Izzo from Michigan State, you could see some of those coaches start to retire. Yes, because of older age and because they've been in the game for so long. But the game has changed. The game of college sports has changed. College athletics have changed forever. And we're never going back. That's just how it is. The game has changed. Things change with time, right? College sports are are the same. Professional sports change their rules. They change how they work. College sports, the exact same. With the NIL and the transfer portal, it's a whole new era. And with college basketball, even more so. There's very few limited number of players that can be on a college basketball roster. And you have to be able to recruit not only in high school, now you have to recruit out of the transfer portal, and you have to use NIL to your advantage. You have to use that as a recruiting tool. Five years ago, you could not even think about talking about money with a college player, with a high school kid. Now you can. But the question I pose is, is Jay Wright retiring a year after Roy Williams did, is this a bad sign for college basketball? I don't know if it's a bad sign, but it's definitely a sign that times are changing. Things are changing. Coaches are going to be changing, and the old school ways are going to start fading out. As they already are, they're going to continue to fade out. It's a bad sign if you are a firm believer in The old school way is the best way, as in how a lot of pure baseball fans think, which is totally fine, but that's how a lot of baseball fans are when you think about it, right? They are, we want it to be the way it's always been. And so if you think that way about college basketball, yeah, this is probably a bad sign because what this means with these types of coaches retiring and Jay Wright at a younger age than some of the others is... He doesn't know if he can do it, and that's not a bad thing. It's okay to say that because there's so much more put on coaches now and so much more that they have to do to get players and same caliber players at the same time. There's so much more of a process that you have to do now to get players on campus, to get players to commit to you and your school because that's not all they're committing to. They also are committing to the money. The money is a huge part of it now, and – From a year-to-year basis, you never know who on your team is going to say, "Yeah, I'd rather go somewhere else, and boom, they're gone. You have no idea. That's got to be so much stress as a basketball coach now. And so I want to ask you, the listeners, what do you think? Is this a bad sign for college basketball and even college athletics as a whole that big-time coaches, legendary coaches like Jay Wright from Villanova are retiring like they are? 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. I'm genuinely curious to see what you, the listener, think about the state of college basketball, the state of college athletics with everything going on. And were you as shocked as I was to see Jay Wright announce his retirement today? I'll be honest, I had no idea. I, I don't think anybody did. I don't think anybody knew he was even considering retiring. Maybe his family. Uh, but maybe, maybe the players, but I doubt it. I doubt it. He didn't have the farewell tour. He didn't want what Coach K got. That was something different. Some people like that. Some people don't. I respect Jay Wright for not doing it that way. Nothing against Coach K. He's a legend. He deserved his respect. But Jay Wright just said, 
I think it's time for me to go. And he did. He dipped out. And there's never a great time to, to say, hey, I'm leaving, especially with the players on the roster, with the recruits that you, that you have talked to. That's, that's always a tough situation. But Jay Wright, he figured it out, and he said, look, it's time. It's time for me to move on, pass over, pass the torch, and pass over the, the program to somebody else. And that's what he's doing. And I think it has everything to do with how college basketball is, is formed right now and how it is shaping out to be. It is so far past what it used to be, it'll never come back. It'll never get close. It'll never get close. I'm convinced. I am. I'm convinced that not just college basketball, college sports, but the NIL and the transfer portal and everything else that's going on, they just opened the floodgates and they said, here you go. Here it all is. You can't do any of it two years ago, but now you can do everything. And they've just opened the floodgates and it is so far gone that you can't reel it back in. And that's a bad thing. That itself is a bad thing. I'm not saying the transfer portal and NIL is bad because I think there are advantages to them. There's a lot of disadvantages too. But I think the fact and the way that it happened so fast and so quickly and it caught fire so fast, it's like a dry forest in California, right? All the wildfires out there and how they just start so quickly and how they just spread like crazy, it's horrible. And that's not what you want to see. That's what's happening with the NIL and the transfer portal. It started and it was like, I mean, it was like lighting the fuse to a firework. It just went like that. And now it's gone. And it's totally changed. And it's totally different than what we grow up and have grown up to see and how we have grown up and watched college sports, especially college basketball. Especially college basketball. It's so different and it's so tough to get these players now because everybody has something different to offer. Maybe you can only... You can't guarantee that some company is going to come in and give this kid $10,000. You can't guarantee that a company is going to come in and say, hey, we want to give this guy a million dollars to be to put him on a t-shirt. You can't guarantee that as a coach. You don't know. But some schools can. Some schools can guarantee that. And I think that's what Jay, or Jay Wright and Roy Williams have seen. And they saw this coming. They did. They saw this coming. And I think that's why they've gotten out. And I think they see it only getting worse. And when I say worse, it's only going to become a bigger and nastier thing with the NIL and the transfer portal. Is it a bad sign? Maybe. It might be. It's definitely going to change, and it's going to change a whole lot more. When we come back, we'll have the last 30 minutes of the Thursday edition. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Thursday edition of the show. 30 more minutes left in hour number two. If you've missed any of today's show, just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded immediately following today's show 
uh, right around 4 o'clock. Of course, that's when we get off the air. It'll be uploaded a few minutes after that. So make sure you go and find that. We had Christian Clemente in the house for hour number one. He gave us a breakdown of Auburn basketball recruiting, uh, some Auburn football recruits that are going to be on campus as well. Uh, It was a good conversation. So if you missed any of that or the first 30 minutes of hour number two, you can just search on the line wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, at 4 o'clock, you can tune into The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. They will have Sonny DeShera on at 5.30. Uh, Auburn Baseball, he will be on at 5.30. They usually have him on Wednesdays, but with Auburn Baseball's makeup game yesterday, uh, he was not obviously able to come on, so he will be on today for Tiger Takes. So make sure you tune into that at 5.30. Sonny DeShera from Auburn Baseball will be on the drive from 4 to 6 p.m. with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck right here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama, 98.3 in Birmingham and Sylacauga. If you're looking for something to do this weekend in Auburn, you can go to the ESPN 106.7 Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages. We're giving away two tickets to the series finale against South Carolina for Auburn baseball. We're giving away two tickets. All you've got to do on Facebook and Instagram, share the post, and make sure you're following the account on Twitter. Just retweet and follow the account. One lucky winner will get two tickets to Auburn baseball versus South Carolina at Plainsman Park on Sunday so make sure you get involved and do that excuse me as we are getting or we're giving away two tickets to Auburn baseball and also another contest we have going on here at Auburn Networks Uh, the Auburn Network family of radio stations is once again teaming up to help you with your spring cleaning this year win a driveway and patio pressure wash from Sir Wash-A-Lot and Auburn Pressure Washing and win a steel, the steel brand, handheld blower from, or from University Ace Hardware. To enter, text the word SPRING, that's S-P-R-I-N-G, to 59925. That's the word SPRING to 59925. Or register online at ESPNAU.com under the contest tab. We'll give away the spring cleaning prize package on Friday, April 29th, that is next Friday, on the Donnie B Morning Show. So make sure you go and find that as well on the ESPNAU.com website, or you can text the word SPRING to 59925. So all of that going on here at the station, but here in this segment, uh, ESPN today, they updated their way too early top 25 for college football and this is different than the fpi rankings that came out however long ago that was was that this week or last week i can't keep my dates together but obviously the fpi rankings at auburn in the top 10 uh we all talked about how ridiculous that was but that is different than just the way too early top 25 from espn that is basically what the writers at ESPN think is going to be and what their rankings are as of right now coming into the season, or I guess coming out of spring and into summer camp. Of course, Alabama, they're your number one team in the way too early top 25, followed by Ohio State, the reigning national champion Georgia Bulldogs, followed by the Utah Utes. That's a pretty surprising one. I had not seen that. I've not looked at this all the way through, so this will be my first time from top to bottom. The Utah Utes at four and rounding out the top five is the Texas A&M Aggies. Of course, Texas A&M bringing in the 
best recruiting class in the entire country. They have, they've lost a lot of people, but they're bringing in just a fantastic recruiting class, and they're going to be a dominant force in the SEC. Can this be the year that Texas A&M breaks through in the SEC West? We're going to find out. They're going to have a lot of talent. Can Jimbo Fisher get them developed and play to the league and to the to the level of Alabama? Because obviously in the West, that's still who the juggernaut is. Alabama being the number one team in this way too early top 25. Ohio State, they do what they do in the Big Ten. I expect them to be the best team in that league yet again. And then the Georgia Bulldogs at three. Over in the West, again, they're still the team to beat over there. They are. They're still the team to beat. I don't see anybody. Maybe, look, there's like three teams in the SEC East for football that you could say, well, they could be good. They might be good. But you buy in and then they they fall out and they flatten like always. So I don't know if you want to buy in too much to some SEC East teams, but Tennessee, Kentucky, Florida, maybe. They might be. You never know. Tennessee's supposed to be pretty good. They've got a lot of talent, but look, we've all been guilty of buying into Tennessee over the last 10 years at one point or another and getting burned, right? We all have done it, and I'm not going to fall into that trap this year. If they, come, if they come out and end up being pretty good, good for them, but I'm not going to buy into the Tennessee hype right now. I just can't do it. Georgia is the third team in this way-too-early top 25. The Utah Utes again at four at Texas A&M at five. Then at six, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, the North Carolina State Wolfpack at seven, Michigan State at eight, Michigan nine, and Oklahoma State Cowboys at 10. That rounds out the top 10. So two teams from the SEC, Bama one and Georgia three. Clemson at 11, USC at 12 with new head coach Lincoln Riley. We'll see what they are able to do uh, with Caleb Williams now out there at quarterback, he followed Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. So a lot of talent at USC, but I think the expectations are just so high at USC and they're even higher with a, a big-time coach like Lincoln Riley and a big-time quarterback a name as Caleb Williams. So how will USC fare with the expectations? What will they do versus expectations, I guess in reality, versus expectations? I just don't know. I think they can have a good chance because, look, it's the Pac-12. They haven't been great the past couple of years. I think their only competition this year is going to be Oregon. So they have a chance to do something big out there. 13 is Houston. 14, the Oklahoma Sooners. 15, the Pittsburgh Panthers out of the ACC. 16, the Oregon Ducks. There's another Pac-12 school with... Of course, former Auburn quarterback Bo Nix. He has not been named the starter yet. Not many schools have named a starter with any type of quarterback competition, but I would assume that he wouldn't go there unless he was going to be the starter, and they probably told him that. There were some there were some rumors and some quote-unquote reports that he was not getting first-team reps in spring practice. Um, I think that's just because He's the new guy. He's a new arrival trying to get comfortable with the situation, comfortable with the offense and the program. I fully expect him to be the day one starter for this Oregon Ducks team. I think they are going to be the only competitor for USC. I think one of those two teams is going to win the Pac-12. Take that for what you will. The Pac-12 is not the greatest thing in the world, but I think they can get better. They've got some big-time teams in USC and Oregon. And finishing out the way-too-early updated top 25 in college football from ESPN. 17, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. 
18 Baylor Bears, 19 BYU, 20 the Arkansas Razorbacks. I think Arkansas is going to be really, really good. A tough sleeper team in the West. They've got a lot of talent, and they've got a chip on their shoulder. Not just football, basketball too. You know the hype around the basketball program right now for Arkansas. Maybe not the same level of hype for the football team, but they should be getting some attention because they have a lot of guys coming back. They have a lot of studs on this team, both sides of the football. Arkansas is going to be good, not a team that somebody could roll over in the SEC West. 9-4 and four last year, 4-4 four and four in the SEC for Arkansas. Watch out. Auburn's got to play them later on in the season. This is not a team you want to catch in November. I think they're going to just continue to get better. They may have a slow start, maybe, but I see them building as the year goes on. I see this Arkansas team really playing with that chip on their shoulder and really doing some damage in the SEC West. Not that they're going to win it, but they could because I mean they could get some big time wins in the SEC. They really, really can. This Arkansas Razorbacks team at twenty one, another SEC team, the Ole Miss Rebels. Twenty two out of the SEC East, the Kentucky Wildcats. Twenty three, the Cincinnati Bearcats, coming off their first ever college football playoff appearance. Look, they got there right. They finally got there. They were the. The first team not in the the big power five schools to get there, but they lose so much off of this roster. And the big one is their quarterback, Desmond Ritter. I mean, he is the one that got them there, built that program to be so good, and he has now gone. A lot of athletes on the defensive side of the football, too, for Cincinnati. They've got some guys coming in. Ben Bryant at QB. We'll see what he can become, how good of a replacement he will be for Desmond Ritter. The Cincinnati They're there at 23. Tennessee, I talked about them already at 24. And the Iowa Hawkeyes at 25. Of course, Auburn not in that top 25. This is the way too early ESPN college football rankings. Look, Auburn is not in the top 25 for a reason. And the difference between this and the FPI is the FPI ranked Auburn at 10 because they believe they will exceed expectations. Because the win totals for Auburn right now, when you look at it, the projected win totals, it's between five and seven wins. If you ask me, I think Auburn can get eight wins. I really do. Auburn could also have a losing season and fire, and fire Brian Harson. So that's the difference between the FPI and this way too early. This is just ranking teams as it stands right now, coming out of spring practice. I think some surprise teams... Definitely Utah at number four. I know they had a big-time Rose Bowl last year against Ohio State, and I'm pretty sure they returned just about everybody. It doesn't look like they're losing anybody major off of this team. So, yeah, they're a big-time program that could do something out there in the West. Obviously, Notre Dame's going to get their love. NC State, you could take that for what you will. Not sure how that's going to do out of the ACC. But look, Clemson is not supposed to be as good as they normally are. The ACC may be up for grabs. Of course, Pittsburgh is in this mixture as well. So take that for what you will. Uh, Michigan State and Michigan out of the Big Ten. When it comes to the Big Ten right now, I think it's Ohio State and everybody else. I'm just going to be honest. It really is. Ohio State is on another level Ryan Day has taken over this program right where it left off, and he's done a fantastic job. He's done a fantastic job recruiting, coaching, developing, and this team is successful. You've got to give him his credit as well. So I like Ohio State out of the Big Ten, unless they just have a lot of injuries and maybe just have a bad year, because sometimes it happens. Sometimes you have down years, but don't bet on that. 
for Ohio State to have a crappy year. It's going to take somebody like Michigan or Michigan State to really just have an outstanding year to dethrone Ohio State in the Big Ten. That's their conference right now when it comes to college football. You look at the Big 12, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, Texas maybe. They're not on this list, though. The Oklahoma or the, the Big 12 is kind of wide open, and they're running out of time with Oklahoma and Texas because they're coming to the SEC. I mean, that's, that is right here. It's coming. And so what will happen in the Big 12 this year? What's going to happen down the road in the Big 12 when Oklahoma and Texas are not in the Big 12? I think it's going to lose a lot of respect. You're having some teams come in, I get it, but I think the traction and the respect for the Big 12 um, is going to go down. I really do. So I like Arkansas to, again, I like Arkansas to improve on their 20th ranking right now. They could end as a top 15 team this year. I really do think they could. They've got to get some wins. See if I can pull up their schedule coming up this year. I really like this Arkansas team. If there's one team in the SEC outside of Alabama and Georgia that you want to buy into, I would buy into Arkansas. And I'm looking at their schedule. Oh, they start out with Cincinnati. That's pretty cool. So they start out with Cincinnati, uh, probably a neutral site. Then they have South Carolina, Missouri State, Texas A&M, and Alabama. So they don't have to take a road trip. They're kind of like Auburn. They don't have to take a road trip until October 8th. That is wild. That is crazy. So Arkansas, they have some tough opponents in Texas A&M and Alabama, but they do have them at home. So that's a big advantage. Then they have a three-game road trip, Mississippi State, BYU, and Auburn. Home for Liberty, home for LSU, home for Ole Miss, and then in the road or in the season on the road at Missouri. I mean, that's a very favorable schedule for Arkansas. Of course, they play out of the West, but they've got all their big games except Auburn at home. Their only road games are Mississippi State, Auburn, and Missouri inside the SEC. I don't know how they pulled that off, but I like this Arkansas team. I think they're going to do well. Are they going to win the West? No. But I do like them to do well in this season. And the schedule, this is the first time I've looked at it, extremely favorable for the Arkansas Razorbacks. But there's your top 25. You're way too early top 25 from ESPN. They just updated it today. And so that's what it's looking like. Of course, Auburn not on it. Um, They have a lot of problems to fix before they get any national recognition like that. Let's take our final break of the second hour. You're listening to the Thursday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Thursday edition of the show. Thursday, April 21st, 2022. Just a couple of minutes before we get out of here. It'll be the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck from 4 to 6 right here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. 98.3 in Birmingham and Sylacauga. If you missed any of today's show, just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. If you missed any of the show, we had Christian Clemente at hour number one, and uh, it's just been me at hour number two, but it's been a great show, so I appreciate everybody tuning in here to the Thursday edition of On the Line. We've talked about Auburn basketball recruiting, uh, the best fit for the last two scholarship spots for this Auburn basketball team. Who do you think Auburn should go after? What types of players should Auburn go after uh, in the transfer portal and recruits-wise to fill those last two scholarship spots? We've talked about the NBA playoffs and how 
They are rolling on with some fantastic series uh, that continue tonight across the NBA. Uh, Christian Clemente talked to us about some of the football recruits that are going to be on campus this weekend. So if you missed that, make sure you go find the podcast. He had some good information about that as well. In the making headlines, we had Jay Wright retiring from Villanova. We talked more about the NBA playoffs. Auburn baseball winning last night 14-1 against Kennesaw State. They have South Carolina coming to town this weekend at Plainsman Park. And uh, Ben Simmons and Luka Doncic are reportedly, reportedly coming back for the Mavericks and the Brooklyn Nets. Of course, Luka Doncic coming back for the Dallas Mavericks. He's a game-time decision tonight. Ben Simmons supposed to be back for game four uh, for Brooklyn on Monday. So that's the news for players coming back in the NBA. Of course, Devin Booker and Chris Middleton are hurt. They are out a couple of weeks. Chris Middleton from the Milwaukee Bucks and Devin Booker from the Phoenix Suns. And then we just talked about the ESPN way too early top 25 for college football, Alabama, the number one team, Ohio State, Georgia, Utah, and Texas A&M. They are rounding out the top five of a way too early top 25, still about four months away from the college football season. Got about a minute and a half, and I'm trying to think of a final take. And My hottest one recently has been that there would not be a sweep in the entire NBA playoffs. That looks pretty good besides Philadelphia being up 3-0 on Toronto right now. I like Toronto to win game four. Your life is on the line. You're at home. You've got to win one game. Surely they can win at home, right? So I'm still sticking to that one. But I think Auburn, here's my final take for Auburn basketball today. Auburn basketball, they're going after four guys to fill two scholarship spots. No matter who they get, they're going to be just fine. And I think Auburn will be better next year than they were this year. They're also going to make it farther in the NCAA tournament next year than they did this year. And I think the players on the team that are going to be on this next year's team are going to be better basketball players than what we saw on this year's team. The point guards are going to be improved. The players are going to be better basketball players and I think Auburn makes it farther in the NCAA tournament this next year than they did this year that's my final take and that's going to do it for the Thursday edition of on the line I'll talk to you tomorrow same time same place stay safe I'll talk to you later